Welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas past to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zara Wong, Head of Content. In today's episode, Mecca Talks flowers, fragrance and falling in love with LA-based floral designer Maurice Harris and Mecca fragrance expert Laura Curtis. Hi Zara. Hi Kate. How are you doing? Good. So Valentine's Day, it's only a few days away. Okay, right. And what are you planning for this? Is this the moment where you're going to be covered in diamonds, flowers? I'm into the diamonds part. <laughs> also into the flowers. Not sure if I'm into the covered part. I'm not into like big declarations of love, but I'm really like into... public the... declarations. No, I once dated someone in uni who, who wanted to do that and all my friends had to talk him out of it. It was like, she is going to hate that. What sort of flowers on your bed or like in the... No, it was like guitar in like University oh. Square kind of. No, no. Guitar that, and a, I was a like, song? I was like, this is, this is a sign we need to break <laughs> up. I didn't end up marrying him. Um, <laughs> was that the end that was that, the, that, that was, was the end I, but I think what I love at Valentine's Day is all the you know the gifts I do like chocolate flowers fragrance fragrance was a good one yeah are you going to buy any fragrances for fra- Valentine's Day no I think what I tend to do is because I've got four children I like make it a bit about them as well so obviously my husband I'll get him a card and he'll buy me something lovely but I will do the ki- the kids a card, which really embarrasses the 14-year-old, like a declaration of love to them. And maybe then I'll get them some heart chocolates and make it a bit like cute for them. So That's the girls nice. love that. Freddie is what like mortified. No. And Jack, obviously, he's three and he thinks anything that's chocolate related or a card anything to open is like the best thing ever so yeah but I think it's great why not celebrate celebrate it but also if you haven't got a partner just I, I mean self-gifting go for it and also a bit of the kind of galentine yeah, so far. or I send um for my friends who don't have a partner I send them flowers as well and I send them a card and obviously we've got all of our lovely new packaging which kind of ties beautifully into valentine's day and kind of that like we planned that one with sharing the heart share um and yeah exactly the hearts eyes the lips and it's like a a sort of a gesture of good feeling that's how I feel about that packaging as well so yeah I mean I think you know for me a beautiful bunch of flowers is would make me happy a beautiful perfume um at Something that's just a gesture of, I'm thinking of you. Do you have a favourite scent at the moment? I've just bought the Byredo, um Mumbai Noise, which is gorgeous. Well, that's quite new, isn't it? It's really new. It's gorgeous. Um, but I put it on and my son said to me, oh my goodness, you smell like my mum. So she obviously wears something similar. I don't think it's that one. And it kind of was a bit like, whoa. Um, but I love it. It's quite sort of heady. Yeah, that's the thing you would sense that it really reminds you of places or people. So you smell something and be like, ah, oh, that reminds you of that time. So that that person to be reminded of their mum is really telling. Mm, exactly. And so, but I also still love Te Noir um, from La Labo and Gypsy Water as well by Rado. So there's a few that I I kind of change up on a daily basis actually at the moment, which is quite nice. And the weather. I just treated myself recently to Synthetic Jungle by Frederick Marle, and I love that. It's okay. like green and fresh and like white zingy. florals. Yeah, not, not zingy, but it's like kind of like creamy but fresh at the same time. Okay, I, I love to, it. I'm wearing it now. I'm going to have to sniff you. <laughs> to get a bit closer. <laughs> um, COVID safe sniff. Um, but yes, <laughs> I think. Do you have a gift fragrance? Oh, yeah, definitely. I give fragrance as as um as in the in a perfume, but also definitely always a candle, but I also love a home fragrance as well. Um, so or a diffuser. We're sitting at the moment in my home, and you'll notice there are lots of sort of candles and diffusers and um, room sprays everywhere. So I'm like a real obsessive kind of fragrance person. So for me, a a gorgeous gift that I would love to receive would be like a you know a home fragrance. Or a candle or both together, thank you very much. But I would also then give that to uh, my friends and family. And I just think that's just a really yeah. beautiful gift. It's easy to use. It looks great in the house, which reminds me, I really love the new Deep Tick collaboration. And I really want to try the lychee candle. Yes. But that one sold out. It sold out in a couple of stores. Like he went visiting stores and seeing if they have any left. 
Oh, it's a hot one. And then it's the collaboration with Maurice Harris, actually, who we just recorded earlier this morning. Do you love that one? Oh, do you know what? Maurice is just so much fun and so high energy. And he has this kind of very, very like vibrant personality that just makes you want to talk to him for days, hours, weeks. And he's just so warm and funny, um, but also brilliant. He's genius. He's creative genius. So actually, it's super inspiring. And and to have, to do so many things with his creative passion for flowers and florals and, you know, then to build this into this, you know, he's a real icon in that way, I think is really, it's really interesting and exciting. Yeah, he's had such an interesting life too. And he also is so introspective. But one of my random fun facts, which I kept on wanting to mention, but sort of didn't have the moment, was that he was a prop. He helped to find props for clowns for Cirque du Soleil. Oh, once. that's a great job. Right? Like what a random, what a random bit of trivia. And then we're going to be speaking soon to Laura Curtis, who's going to be talking at Sense that will make people fall in love with them. Love at first smell. Oh my goodness, I love this. We were talking about this earlier. Can someone's scent make you fall in love with them? When I was a teenager, um, there was this specific scent that this guy was wearing. And I was like, right, because it it just turned my head. And I was like, we're going to have to be... And I'm going to have to start dating you because that <laughs> I really like the smell of that aftershave. And so I do think it's quite has a quite powerful impact. Yeah, truly love at first smell. Love at, no, love at first sniff. Love at first sniff. <laughs> but you didn't marry him, so it wasn't exactly everlasting No, but I'll, I, love. I love the scent still. So that was, that, I didn't fall in love with the guy, I fell in love with the scent. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the difference. And it's also in our role, um, in my job, I look at a lot of fragrance copy. We write a lot about the new fragrances coming. So I read about all this new stuff coming and it sounds so exciting. So I need Laura Curtis to help guide us through that. Okay, let's do it. Great. On to Laura. We've got the amazing Laura Curtis with us again today, who is Mecca's Fragrance Education Manager. So welcome, Laura. We are delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for having me again. It's a pleasure. What makes a scent romantic? Because you know, thinking, sensual. Yeah, Valentine's Day is coming up. But what are the other specific notes or combination that makes something really, you know, alluring and romantic? Fragrance is so personal, so what you love I might not love vice versa but generally speaking there are some notes that are considered to be especially romantic and enchanting vanilla is one because so many of us have fond memories of vanilla so when we smell it it makes us feel good instantly for most of us the scent of vanilla has a warmth and a familiarity to it but true vanilla also has a dark leathery smoky tinge to it as well so we like to say that vanilla strikes that perfect balance between light and dark and in this context between comfort and sensuality and then closely linked to vanilla there's also amber so amber is what we call an accord which is similar to a musical accord musical chord so you play several notes at once to create a certain sound and a fragrance accord is several perfume notes blended together to create a certain scent so amber is a blend of vanilla labdanum which is a tree resin and tonka bean which is a warm note with a delicious kind of vibe to it and amber is such a popular accord that we have a whole family of fragrances that revolve around it and the best way to describe amber is that it has a cozy snuggly kind of quality to it as well as a sense of mysteriousness and allure and then of course you have floral notes rose is the epitome of romantic fragrance notes and we've used rose to charm and seduce each other for centuries so not only is it romantic it also has a therapeutic benefit as well and studies have shown that when we smell the scent of rose we feel a sense of joy and happiness and a feeling of being loved tuberose and jasmine are both white flowers they have very seductive and sensual quality to them so they're very decadent powerful floral notes that can be very intoxicating to the people around us and then finally personally I really consider lavender to be a romantic note and that one might be a little bit surprising but ultimately it's that such you sleep a- <laughs> yeah it calms you it calms you, but it's also a very classic note that you would find in traditional colognes. And so lavender in fragrances today has this sense of kind of old world charm and freshness. And also for me, it's like the fragrance equivalent of beautiful manners, which really appeals to me in a partner. And I love how you talked about lavender as well. And that was a bit of like a, it's atypical, I guess, out of all the other ones you mentioned. What are some other scents that are maybe not so popular 
or not so well known for being romantic but actually are? Oh, I think I threw lavender in there because that's something for me personally that I find alluring. And so really any note I think can be romantic in its own way. I would say fragrances maybe that have more of a sunny kind of effect, bright, happy fragrances. I think when you're in the presence of somebody wearing a fragrance like that puts a smile on your face and makes you feel more drawn to them. So you probably wouldn't think of a citrus fragrance, for example, as being particularly romantic. But if that's something that attracts you, then uh, it, it can feel romantic to you. So it's all about kind of personal preference in many ways. I think so, absolutely. We have just launched the Diptyque collection that we um, that they worked with floral creative Maurice Harris, who we're going to be talking to in a moment. But what are your favourite rose-based scents? Uh, I think for a classic rose scent, you can't go past Diptyque. And it is the 10-year anniversary of Diptyque's rose this year. So to celebrate the same perfumer who composed it a decade ago, Fabrice Pellegrin created an eau de parfum version of Rose. So that's a more intense and nuanced tribute to the rose. And they're both absolutely stunning. Une Rose by Frederick Marle is one of my all-time favourites. That one actually started with a truffle accord that the perfumer Edouard Flechier created for a cooking magazine. And he took the accord to Frederick Marle and he suggested that they collaborate on creating a scent that expressed the darker, more earthy side of the rose freshly plucked from the ground. So just a note for anyone who loves that scent as much as I do. Yeah, Kerry, our producer, who you know well, of course, we Kerry and I both like food. We both just made eyes at each other and was like, oh, yeah, delicious. <laughs> for a food magazine, we're interested. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's such an unusual creative rose scent. I was just going to say a quick note for anyone who loves the scent or wants to try it. It will be changing its name to Rose Tonnerre, but rest assured it's exactly the same scent. So you'll see um, the new bottle coming out this year. I love the stories behind fragrances and it's something that like you know when you're coming in to buy a fragrance when they tell you the story it really like builds a whole world for you doesn't it it's a storytelling it's very sort of yeah evocative I think what is really enticing about fragrance is that it's that perfect balance between art and science so some people the science side of perfumery will really appeal to them and for others it's really the romantic storytelling side of the perfume world and the memories they conjure as well because I think that's so important as well we've talked about that with you before but really you know that you get to sort of walk past someone who's wearing a perfume that reminds you of their grandmother or reminds them of their you know old partner or something and it immediately conjures up very strong memories which is incredible and on the science side what do you think of the pheromone enhancing sense like eccentric molecules which we have at mecca Ooh. oh well i guess if you think about what pheromones are they're essentially hormones that exist outside of the body so they're chemicals that trigger a certain response in the people around us and in this context we're talking about a certain pull towards someone or a subliminal physical attraction so it's my belief that all perfumes have the ability to have a pheromone-like effect on certain people. Any scent really has the power to attract or draw in another person. But what sets fragrances like the molecule scents apart is that they're designed to enhance our natural pheromones. So rather than masking or kind of bedazzling our natural scent, they let our natural pheromones shine by gently amplifying them. Whereas a more traditional fragrance is more like dressing ourselves up in a beautiful dress or a suit that creates that initial impression, like a piece of art that we wear. So I'd say that fragrance enhances like molecular one or a more subtle stripped back way of enhancing our scent, but that all perfumes are essentially doing the same thing, just to different degrees. So we've got so many scents that people love at Mecca. And I think a lot of our customers talk about how they get commented on a lot. And I'm thinking of scents like Baccarat Rouge, Santa 33, Another 13 by Lilabo, Tom Ford Tobacco Vanille. And I also have had a bit of a moment on TikTok as well, actually, on the side. Why do you think these sort of scents are so popular? I think the scents that have that stop in the street kind of effect on people are fragrances that have a very distinct personality. So all of the fragrances you mentioned, they're very different. There's not necessarily a uniting factor in each of them, but they all tell a story and they all transport you to a very specific place or a specific memory. So uh, Bubble Bath, for example, takes you to a hot bath it's got that really fresh comforting feeling to it um tobacco vanille 
transports you to a gentleman's club in London. So it's got that tobacco smoke in the air, uh, the cognac on the table, uh, that very exclusive kind of feeling. So I think it's those fragrances that are very almost idiosyncratic. They have a bit of quirkiness to them that really capture people's imagination. Really distinctive. And personally for you, Laura, what scents have you worn before that you've been stopped on the street and asked about? Well, it's surprising because you think it's the fragrances that are very powerful, uh, that have a very powerful sillage is what we call it. So that's a fragrance that projects. Um, but the fragrance that I get the most comments on is Le Labo, Another 13. Uh, and, you know, I wear all sorts of concoctions in my day-to-day life to test out different fragrances and experiment with how they wear on the skin. But Another 13 is the one hands down that gets the most people interested, even though it's more of a subtle, gentle kind of scent. It really evokes a strong impression on That's people. so interesting. What do you get stopped on the street and asked about, Kate? Santel 33, sure. Um, and especially when that was first launched, I think that was, you know, everyone's like, what is that? It felt very different. Um, but anytime I wear it now, people are like, wow, I love that. It's amazing. Um, and you said Portrait of a Lady for you. Portrait of a Lady once, but it was more because someone actually had the same fragrance as me. But I've actually been commented on wearing Rose Prick by Tom Ford, which you had mentioned earlier, Laura. I think I was in a store buying something and the sales was like, what is that scent? I just love it. Actually, Portrait of a Lady has a beautiful story behind it that's very closely related to that. So um, Frederic Mal and Dominique Rapion had created dozens of iterations of the scent trying to perfect it and Mal lives in New York so he asked his wife to wear one of the samples and walk around New York to see if anyone noticed because his goal was to create the ultimate head-turning fragrance and he said she came back within 10 minutes and said multiple people had stopped her to ask what fragrance she was wearing and that was yeah the final version of Portrait of a Lady. Super super distinctive fragrance and I love how it refers to the Henry James novel as well. Definitely. And it is really the epitome of what we would describe as a veil fragrance in the spirit of traditional French perfumery. So it's a fragrance that you wear as an accessory that really makes a statement. And if our if our customers are feeling a little bit overwhelmed of where to go for either a Valentine's gift for someone else or a self gift for themselves, tell us a little bit about our fragrance services and how it kind of works and and what you know, what can we expect? Well, we have the most incredible and knowledgeable fragrance specialists working in our Mecca stores. So if you book in for a consultation with one of them or you buy a gift voucher for a loved one that they can use or redeem on a consultation, then they'll be able to take you on a fragrance journey to discover your perfect scent. So they'll spray various fragrances for you to see which kind of fragrance family you're most drawn to. They'll take a little bit of a retrospective on fragrances that you've loved in the past or fragrances that you haven't loved so much in the past. Uh, And then they'll recommend fragrances that they think you'll love and you'll be able to try them on your skin and see how they develop. Uh, And they can recommend accessories as well to make your fragrance last longer throughout the day and educate you on how to store your fragrance or home scents that might complement the mood of your fragrance. So uh, it's, it's a beautiful experience that I highly recommend. And it's probably better to do that than gifting a scent outright because, as you were saying, Laura, scents are so personal and what you like may be different for someone else as well. So it's nice to gift a complete experience instead. Definitely, definitely. I think fragrance can be a beautiful gift if you're buying it for someone whom you're close to. And, and my advice would be if you do decide to purchase a fragrance as a gift, then go all in. So make it as personal as you can. Try to find a fragrance that really represents something special about the person you're buying or a memory that you share, maybe a place that you've travelled together or a scent that represents their vibe or aesthetic really beautifully. So I think if you do purchase a fragrance on behalf of someone else, make it really meaningful. Do you think there are any scents that are near fail-proof to gift? Does that exist? Uh, I'd say generally, (laughs) it's a good question. (laughs) Generally, if you don't have much knowledge on the other person's fragrance taste and you don't want to be very specific or you don't want to give them a voucher or um, 
an experience, or maybe they can't access um, a Mecca store, then scents that kind of cover the spectrum of fragrance families tend to be the most fail-proof when it comes to gifting. So that's fragrances with a little bit of floral, a touch of wood, some amber, some fresh citrus notes. There's a little bit of something for everyone. So some examples would be Gypsy Water by Byredo, Replica Lazy Sunday Morning, the Diptyque Bay Candle that I mentioned before. We also do have our scent sample campaign running for anyone purchasing on our Mecca website. And that campaign really came about because we do understand that buying fragrance online or as a gift can be tricky. So we have a selection of Mecca Hero scents that will be delivered alongside a sample of the fragrance. So you can try the sample before you take the full-size fragrance out of its box. And that way, if it's not quite right, you can return it or swap it for another scent. And I would have said, do you know what? And I'm not an expert like you. I would have said gypsy water because I feel like it's such a universally um, loved scent that doesn't overpower, but can kind of just be, you know, you can buy the the body wash, for example, or the perfume. You know, you have all of the ways in which you can kind of bring that scent to life. So I'm I'm a big fan. Well, thank you so much, Laura. And thank you so much for your time today. We've loved it as always. Learned so much from you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Now we're going to go over to Maurice Harris, who is in L.A., who is going to talk us through his amazing collaboration with Diptyque and everything else in his life. But hi, hi, Maurice. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We're so excited. Are you excited for this one, Kate? I really am. And Maurice, you're in L.A. right now. So what time is it with you? It is 2.50 p.m. Okay, so pretty pretty civilized. civilized time. Um, yeah. And, we're, and it's like morning on another day there, right? Yeah, yeah. so we're 10 a.m. So we're not too far off. Um, it's and, just kind of fun. Like you're you're like talking to me on a Friday and then you're like going oh, back in time. Oh, yes. Talking to me on a Thursday. Oh, yeah, that is, that's the bit that blows my mind. It's like Inception. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. actually that we, if you're, when you're trying to organize things, and you're like, oh, no, that's a totally different day for yeah. me. It's good when we travel to L.A. because then you feel like you didn't lose a day. Do you feel like it gets, makes you younger? Yes. <laughs> one, yes. Day, one day it will if you travel fast enough and enough. <laughs> we need to go to L.A. more, Kate. <laughs> exactly. To get some of the days back <laughs> in our lives. Um, and tell us, what are you up to at the moment, Maurice? You have been super busy. And obviously, we're very excited to talk to you today. You've been working with the incredible Diptyque family and um, with on an amazing collaboration, which we're going to talk to you about. But you have been very busy. So tell us a little bit about, about what you've been up to. Oh, <laughs> I have been so busy. It has been outrageous. Um I'm very, very, uh, I feel very fortunate that I am able to creatively express myself basically every day. Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming because I have to do it for so many different avenues and things. But um, yeah, we had this amazing collaboration with Diptyque. Um, I've been developing some cool um, new drinks and some stuff with Patron. Um, I am... Um, super active in my coffee shop and developing new products. We have, we just came out with new socks that I think are so freaking cute. Um, <laughs> been having like a major neon moment in my life. And mm, <laughs> I'm working on, um, oh, I hope I get this. You guys keep your fingers crossed for me. Um, there's like, it's actually kind of confusing, but basically there are parts of the city. It's basically, I'm um, working with an architecture firm to potentially do a public artwork um, in the city of Los Angeles. Oh, wow. It's kind of like NDA style, so I can't really say that much about it, but um, we're bidding on a uh, on a job or they're bidding on a job and they want me to be like the artistic partner in terms of like how to do a permanent installation with some of my flower work so um and oh, how amazing. I like view that with the black body and like all the inceptions and intersections of how I have been using flowers so um it's kind of interesting having my brand for the last 10 years I think we're in our 11th year or 12th year I don't know I lost track but um 
just because I've been hustling so hard. Um, and, but to see all of my creative efforts like really kind of start to come through and to um, see them start to flourish and all the seeds that I've been planting and watering my garden over the last <laughs> 10 years, I'm like seeing the fruits of that labor. So it feels really, really great to yeah. um, be in this place and to be talking to you today. Well, congratulations. And it must. Ah. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are amazing. And hold on. So I've got written here that if for those who aren't familiar with your work, you have been crowned the Beyonce of floristry. And do you this, know who gave me that crown? You tell me. I gave it to myself. Oh, you did. Good. <laughs> I love that though, because you just like own it, right? You just call you know, just call it yourself. <laughs> well, oh. I did it because I did it because I was like. Um, I've worked with her a few times and like nobody can outwork her. She's like, like literally paving ways at how she does things. She does it so excellently, so flawlessly. Um, she does it with her own voice and her own skill, like her own point of view. And I was like, I kind of think I do that when it comes to flowers. Yeah. I think it's safe to say I'm the Beyonce of flowers. And then I told her that, and she was like, I'm okay with that. And I was like, cool. I mean, you got permission from her. That's so actually. I did, yeah. She, she let you keep your crown. She did. You crowned she was yourself like, and she let okay. you keep your crown. Yeah, yeah, I was very happy about that. So how did you get into floristry and florist design? And I mean, I, you kind of don't want to just say florist, right? It's so much more than that. Yes. Oh. Well, I kind of consider, yeah, I consider myself an artist first and foremost. I went to art school. I've like literally been like, I'm obsessed with aesthetics. I'm obsessed with beauty. I'm obsessed with how to make spaces, people, environments more beautiful. And I've been obsessed with that since I've been a child. I used to rearrange the furniture in my parents' house when I was like seven and eight years old, being like, I think if we put the sofa over here, it'll just be more inviting and more interesting. <laughs> did it, what did if they we like it? The <laughs> Always, like nobody cared but me. I mean, I remember being like 10 years old and like decorating for New Year's and I like went ham. I like went <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> And everybody had fallen asleep except for me. And I was like watching, you know, the New York Times Square thing on TV. And then I was like, 10, 9, 8. And I was like, happy new year. And then my mom kind of like woke up and looked around and was like, you need to clean all this up. <laughs> so it's a party, party for one. Party for one. So basically like, I've just been like, I've always been interested in making beautiful things and creating a spectacle and creating a moment. And um, I started that journey in window display. I really enjoyed that. I worked at Barney's, I worked at Juicy Couture, um, and I just learned a lot around composition and how to like, when you merchandise something, when you put something in a certain part of the store, like what speaks to people and how it communicates to them. And a lot of times I was sourcing things in downtown Los Angeles. And so the flower mart is in downtown Los Angeles and it's connected to where you get all your crafty things. And so, because I was always sourcing things for windows, I would like, you know, tip my toe in the flower market and see what was going on there. And a couple of the vendors that stayed open later would be nice and be like, oh, these will last well out of water or, oh, this is a really, this is how you treat this flower or, oh, why don't you try this? And it was like, um, I just started to, yeah, dip my toe in it. And eventually I really found quite a love for, um, flowers it was like uh, instant gratification you know I, I I liked I liked fashion so much but it just wasn't fast enough for me it was like that's funny because we have fast fashion now but it, <laughs> I, just like my own individual process like you know by the time you did the muslin corrected the pattern put it in a sample all of that jazz like I was ready to like move on but in a, in you know 45 minutes I can have a stunning arrangement that puts a beautiful smile on someone's face and there's just like not a better feeling 
Yeah, and with flowers, I mean, they're ephemeral as well, so they last only for a certain period of time. You can only enjoy their beauty for a moment. Or Precisely. Yeah. Well, well, and, and, and you know, it's not long, as you said. Yeah. And, and what I love about you even bringing that up, because it's such a part of my work is embracing um, ephemerality and how things don't last forever. And I think flowers cause us to be more present, you know, because you have to pay attention to them in that moment because they'll be gone and they're just such a reminder of how fleeting life is it's like one of the most beautiful expressions of the circle of life and i think um because we can't hold on to everything and we have to let it go and they're so dimensional that when even when you take a photo it doesn't capture its beauty in the way that you experience it so you really have to be paying attention to them um when they're alive and then you move on and you do it all over again. And what inspires you to kind of create these masterpieces? Is it, you know, is it music? Is it other artists? That you Is it travel? How do you kind of come up with that? Obviously, you're a super creative person, so a lot of it's already there. But what else inspires you? I'm kind of, you. Know, this is the first time I've answered this question this way, um, which is to say, um, admitting that I'm just an extravagant person. I love, like, I'm very over the top. Oh, I hate admitting this out loud. Why am I telling you this? <laughs> it's good for you. Oh, session. <laughs> I, like, want to be, like, really sophisticated, simple, and discreet. But I'm not. I'm, like, so <laughs> bold. And I feel like flowers allow me to express that. But also give me the opportunity to change my mind because I'll just make another arrangement. So I feel like... I'm constantly finding inspiration um, either within myself because I'm so excited and I just like see beautiful things or it's, um, I let the market speak to me a lot. Like mm -hmm. I go to the flower market and I look at, I'm always paying attention to what's trendy, what people are wearing, what colors are um, I'm seeing all the time. And then I'm just like, okay, how do I make the opposite really beautiful? Mm -hmm. How do I make the opposite, like, which is forgotten, which isn't seen as elevated? How could I elevate that and make that feel sophisticated and worth being at the party too? Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting that you said that about how you don't want to admit that you're extravagant and you want to be cool and restrained. And I mean, I'm the same. So I think it's so much easier controversially to like wear all black and, you know, only buy white single roses. It's a lot harder to mm -hmm. use color or shape and do something really interesting and sophisticated with it, isn't it? It really is. And I find like, I, I and I think as a result, people are afraid of color. And so I embrace color and I'm not afraid of it. I know how to use it. I am. And, and I also think, funny enough, they're closely linked to being a person of color. Um, is, uh, and so it's like kind of my metaphor that I like connect together. Like, um, and so when I see colorful flowers that aren't seen as like sophisticated and high end, and we always just want like pale, white, pale pink, like neutral colors. I'm just like, no, you can do bold colors and make them look beyond fab. Yeah. You just have to know how to do it. And it wasn't until like maybe like five years ago that I even started to incorporate black into my closet. Like I wouldn't wear, mm -hmm. I only wore color. Um, and I And it's almost like if you force yourself to figure it out, you start to figure it out where if you just go with what's safe, it's safe. Mm. And I'm not a really safe person. I like to push boundaries. I think organically, my physicality and who I am in the world, uh, being a gay dude in a conservative Christian family, like I just automatically pushed boundaries in a way that I wasn't even aware of as a child. And so I'm used to that way of being. Um, and I just apply that to my creative outlets and my medium as a way to embrace color, embrace um, flowers that we don't necessarily historically love, like a carnation or a mum 
or um, baby's breath. Like these are like filler throwaway flowers. But like, if you see how we use it over at Bloom and Plume, you're just like, I want a carnation in my arrangement. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier as well, neon. You're having a thing with neon right now. In what way? Like, I love the idea of that. Are you sort of, is it just, you're feeling it? Feeling inspired by that sort of really hot electric color? Yeah, it's like, um, uh, uh, like a year or so ago, I saw, I was really, oh, this is why. Hello, Mars. Um, they've, next door to my house, they're building two insane six-story um apartment complexes and I live in a old house that was built in 1900 so it's really out of place and strange but all the construction workers always had on like those neon long sleeve t-shirts or their neon vests high vis and and there was just something about it that I was like that's kind of (laughs) hot I was feeling very Paris Hilton and I was like that's hot oh it's juicy like, yeah it's like that oh very Jessica Trill where you worked very yeah, 2000s millennial yeah yeah, bit of yeah. Diamante yeah yes and I like, like a I, piercing in the like belly button yes yes <laughs> and I think the combination of like my some of my colleagues my employees that work with me that are of that age because I feel like an old lady where I'm just like I don't know what the hell's going on anymore um <laughs> But then my employees are like, oh, I just got my belly button ring. And I was just like, what? What yeah. century are we in? That was like being <laughs> middle school. Yeah. Um, but it keeps me young and it keeps me vibrant. And I feel like, again, it, it's a way we started, again, we use color specifically in the coffee shop as a way to fit into the landscape of the neighborhood. There's a lot of interesting, bold, slightly wacky colors that are people's houses. Like there's like this really insane, um, vibrant pink house down the street. And I was just like, oh, I wanna figure out a way to embrace that, but kind of do it hopefully in a little bit more sophisticated, elevated way. And so I feel like that's where neon, neon is kind of like the scariest of color, but it's also like fun and um a little dangerous yeah, it's and, electric yeah and it's electric <laughs> boogie woogie 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 it is and how do you make something that is like you know you said like the pink house like the neon like a carnation how do you make something that's a bit off elevated great question love that follow-up um i would say the the way that we've done it is i think everything that you want to be sophisticated is rooted in something traditional. So that means like you're only tweaking it 20 to 30%, right? So you're like, if you saw an old beautiful Victorian house, like where everything is intact and that was painted neon yellow, it would be very wild and modern and interesting but also because all the architecture is so rooted in like a history of tradition, it like kind of updates it, but mm-hmm. keeps it fresh, but still roots it in reality. Yeah, I think um, like the facade of our building at the coffee shop is this beautiful periwinkle, blue, purple, I don't know what it is. It's a full spectrum color. So it uses all the colors to make that color in different light. It kind of changes color just a little bit. And it was important for me to find the right hue, the right uh, uh, chroma, the right intensity of that color, right? So I want it to be really bright, but I also don't want it to be garish. So it's like I turn down the intensity just a hair to like almost gray it out just a little bit so that you can, it, it becomes like a very bold neutral now. Mm. And, and I think that's like kind of how I elevate it is like what it's surrounded by, what it's in association mm. with allows it to um, be sophisticated. Yes. And of course it's like my gorgeous eyes. <laughs> well, I was going to ask actually, I mean, your literal, your literal eyes, or because I was going to ask how do you hone 
your eye, like your creative eye. <laughs> <laughs> we can't see your literal eyes. I know. <laughs> I was like, where is this? Where is this going? <laughs> it's my just creative so everyone, eyes. Everyone knows what we're talking about. We're doing your- this virtually. It's, for some reason, Maurice's camera is not working. So we cannot see your literal but eyes. I think he can see us. Yeah, you can okay. see our I can eyes. see you guys, yes. Yeah. And it's so funny because my camera always works and I don't know, and I love to be seen. So <gasps> it's like a little bit annoying it's that fine. I can't we, be We uh... have a picture of you and your, and your leopard print shirt on the other side. <laughs> Imagine it's talking to us. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay, um, you're creative. But no, I just you... feel like when you when you think about like your creative eye, it's just like, you're always exploring. I mean, I am observant to a fault. Oh my God, bless you. Um, that was somebody in the back. I thought you were in the, in the closet. I am in the closet. <laughs> but the tears of a, a clown are just like coming through. Yeah. yeah, tears in the club. Um, sorry. So no, like, but like when I'm, when I'm thinking about how I develop my eye, it's like, I'm observant to a fault. I literally notice just about everything. And sometimes it's really great. And sometimes it's just terrible because I can't stop seeing something. Even when you're and not so, working. Yeah, when I don't care, it's like, who cares that like you didn't get a <laughs> pedicure and you're wearing an open toe, high heel pump with like your you know, your new pedal pushers or something. I don't know. Like, it's just like, I'm not wearing it. It's not my business. You don't work for me. Who cares? But like, I'm just like, oh my God, why didn't you get a manicure? Why didn't you get a pedicure? That's crazy. Why would she even wear that shoe? That doesn't even make sense. Like, but like when you- pedal pushers of those shoes sounds a bit sus, but continue. (laughs) Precisely. Uh, But I think like when you, if you are an observant person, you do start to learn how to um, see what you do like, right? So whenever I travel and whenever I'm out in a foreign or a a place that is unfamiliar, I'm really taking in like what makes me happy. Like I remember listening to something once um, and it said, if you're really trying to hone your creativity, take notice of what's around you when you feel creative or when you feel inspired. And those are the things you wanna cultivate around you when you're trying to stay creative. Mm -hmm. So I apply that to my life in a way where it's like, I really try to take note of things that uh, make me happy or excite me or um, I find to be really beautiful. A lot of times what I do, we live in the world of like, Instagram and social media and all this nonsense. Uh, sorry, not nonsense, but like uh, oversaturation of images coming our way that can be kind of overwhelming. But what I do is when I see something I really like, I take a screenshot of it. And I don't really ever revisit my screenshots mm-hmm. on my phone, but I have them as it's almost like a physical way to take a mental note of that thing and then it's just like this way that like then you start to just create a vocabulary of things and when it's time for that thing to like incorporate into what you're working on it'll come up and I just like kind of trust the process in that way because I'm constantly needing especially trying to be an old person keeping up with what happens on social media it's like I need ideas I need content I need weird things and, or I'll see something that was brilliant that I like want to reference and it's like it's buried in the wasteland of past days of Instagram right like you only are looking at what is happening currently and you're like what does it look like five years ago who knows but if you put it in your saves you have it so I, that, I love it. Yeah. I was actually also going to ask, I think we we're going to ask, how do you stay creative? And do you just answer it for us then? I think so. Um, yeah. Like I, 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 I pay attention. I think it's mm. just like, again, it's like, um, I spend a lot of time on my toilet, um, looking at Instagram and meditating. Everyone one of my does. No one says it out loud though. I know, but it's like literally my favorite, which is why I'm like, just admit it. It's fine. It's so no one bothers you. It's, 
Exactly. Exactly. It is <laughs> the one place. <laughs> yes, it is the one well, place where I really feel like I can legitimately, like, be far away, like, be out of touch. It's like I'm using the bathroom, <laughs> even though I'm just like sitting there. Um, but yeah, I like, um, like, I'm just looking at what other people are doing. I'm looking at what I'm like what movies I'm watching or like what's on TV, what like uh, people around me are into, or um, I'm just, uh, there's always something in the minutia of all of the nonsense that I start to pick up on. That rest is important too, because you kind of need to like let your brain rest, let the ideas percolate in the back of your head rather than like on it all the time. I agree. Yeah, because hello, muscles don't, you know, they like they tell you when you're working out, muscles do not form when you're exercising them. They form when you're resting. Exactly. And so I feel like it's the same <laughs> that's, concept. That's, are you <laughs> laughing because I don't exercise so no, my we were, muscles are always resting? We were talking about not exercising earlier. We need to do that. Um, <laughs> well, same. But that's, that's why because I our muscles use... are doing it on, it, on their own, <laughs> yeah, Zara. That's why I love exactly! massages because massages are like passive exercise. Oh, yeah. I'm I, I love that justification. I think that you're <laughs> insane for saying that, but I'm going to adapt that in my life and I appreciate you for bringing it to my head. <laughs> Helps the circulation. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, means a lot. Um, okay, so listen, you've got Bloom and Plume, your floral studio. You've got your coffee and community cafe, which is, sounds incredible and I want to come down there. And you also produce and star in an HBO reality competition series, Full Bloom. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I do a little bit of everything. Um, and I've diversified it because I just like doing a lot of different things. And I don't like to be held in a box. I mean, a way that I coped with um, being kind of a weird, ostracized that was extremely dramatic but being a strange weirdo um super christian kid that was like gay but didn't know was i really worked on my personality i didn't think i was particularly attractive i didn't i wasn't athletic and so i always wanted to be kind I wanted to be funny I wanted to be engaging and that was my way of like charming people and so it's a skill that I've worked on and I love performing um so it's kind of a skill I've been working on for a very very long time and so my dad is also a minister so he's very very charismatic and I think being around that growing up uh made me a really like, like I'm a ham, I know, and I know how to turn it on. And so when the flower competition show was coming about, it's like, I'm simultaneously really good at what I do. And I'm like, I love the camera. So it's like, I don't know if that's a recipe for disaster. A match, or a match recipe. made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be hopefully more of the latter. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so we had a really good time making that show. It was really quite um, fun. My co-host, um, Elizabeth Cronin, who has a um, flower shop in Chicago, um, is like now one of my best friends. Um, Simon Lysette, who's in England, he's also like incredible. We just like bonded so much as judges on that show and we had such a good time. And then being able to mentor and seeing how our mark in the industry has um, helped other people with their creative process and seeing how that balloons, if you will, mm -hmm. um, has been a really, really fun journey. And I hope we get to do it a lot more. I always think it must be so fun to be a television judge. I would love it. That's what I always Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, oh my God. I don't even... I don't even know how to begin to tell you how a judgmental person like me being able to just be there and be like, mm -mm, yeah, you could say it all. I love it. I hate it. 
Why would you even think about doing something like that? Oh, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Like you could just get to be so dramatic about like everything. It's so fun. We're oh. very jealous. And what I think is so fascinating because as with your work in with flowers, you work with a lot of private clients, but now, you know, with the TV show and with the public installations and even with Diptyque, you're doing something that's quite not, I mean, not public, but people can get involved in it. People can see it. It lives outside beyond a private home. What has that been like for you? Um, it's the most incredible part of what I do. It's always been a bone of contention for me that um, the work that we do is so high end and so exclusive. Um, flowers are just expensive, you know, mm -hmm. and the people that can afford, uh, afford to engage in that on a regular basis have to be of a certain income bracket at a certain like, mm, lack of a better word, like taste level, yeah. like mm -hmm. appreciation for like somebody coming in and doing their flowers, which is a very specific person. And it's interesting because I didn't necessarily appreciate that until I started doing it and people were hiring me to do that, that I could see what a difference it makes in your home. It actually really brings the house together and brings the house to life. And I was like, oh my God, this is like an amazing moment. People need to know about this. <laughs> and you look so, at the fear that you're like, wow. Really yeah, and then I'm like, uh, nobody's gonna really get into this like this. So how can I figure out other ways and other avenues for people to engage with flowers in the natural world um, in a way that it meets them where they're at, but within my interest. So I felt like, A, like when I opened the coffee shop, that was like a great way to um, have like kind of an elevated experience, but with more of an approachable product, right? So our arrangements are super expensive because we can't compete with like Trader Joe's or, you know, any of the major grocery stores that you guys probably have um, as well, because they get a better price for their goods, for their uh, flowers, because they're buying acres of land worth mm -hmm. of flowers at one time. And I'm buying like 20 benches. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just a very, very different monster. So I had to go more high end. And so um, my coffee shop is a way that people can engage with our work and see like aesthetically how we approach and how we want you to feel and make you feel um, the like, which then gave us opportunity to start to do other sorts of public works. Like we worked with LACMA and we made like almost like this photo booth rendering that um, were my reaction and interpretation of the Amy Sherald and Kahinde Wiley portraits of the Obamas. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had a show where the Obama portraits were um, on display. And then when you came outside in the courtyard area like I had done my own kind of floral interpretation of those uh, portraits where then you could photograph yourself within that um, scene and I think that that was really touched a lot of people and was really meaningful because then they can quite literally see themselves in some of those environments and roles and I think that it's just like a subtle way that we start to figure out how to include people in these kind of very elevated experiences where how many people get to have themselves painted by Kehinde Wiley? I mean, oh, wow. that's pretty insane. So um, being able to kind of create a moment where other people can start to see themselves was really beautiful. So how did the collaboration with Dip T come about? And can you tell us a bit of bit of the background around that? And And, you know, this is something that we're super excited about at Mecca and we um, want all of our listeners to really hear the story of how that came together. Um, first of all, I've been such a huge fan of Diptyque and everything that they, that, that they do. And I have wanted to do my own fragrance and I've been wanting to do a candle for years and La, la la and I was like but you know what I really should collaborate with somebody and I think it should be like someone major and I think it just would be like so cool and I was like just like ideating and thinking about it and I don't know I'd like to say I'm kind of a manifester 
And honestly, I, I, I mean, I have been thinking about this and thinking about it and thinking about it. And then Dip Teak slid into my, di- my DMs, Dip y'all. DMs. Oh, wow. Yes, I Dip love that. Dip slid into my DMs. It was like well, you were osmosis. Well, how, you... Do you, how do you feel when you saw that, you know, new message from Dip Teak? I was like... Dip Teak wants uh, to send you a friend request. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I was like, what? Is this like happening? And it like totally was. And, uh, and because like... If you know how Instagram works and there's lots of scammers and weird things on there and people are always messaging me weird things that at first I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Is this real? (laughs) Do you see the blue And then once, right. And then once like the email came through and it was like official and they like wanted me to interpret a rose and really think about like, and when they started to explain to me why they wanted to work with me, like they had really done their homework in terms of like, uh, we they were like, we love how you use unconventional materials in your arrangements. And we love how you center roses in a very non-traditional way. We think your aesthetic and your sense of color and the vibrancy of your personality and who you are and how you arrange just fits so well with how we're wanting to reintroduce our new version of the rose and that fragrance and i was just like well duh like i got you let's do this and and it just was like a match made in heaven it was actually really funny because um i only speak english sadly because i'm from california born and raised and i took spanish probably for seven years consecutively and i can't speak a lick or write a lick and so there are all these french people writing me full-on multi-paragraphed emails in English that is like super, super impressive. Yet I had to like decode them all the time, which is also really funny because I'm like, what does that mean? What are they trying to say? How insulting. And then I'm just like, wait, that's not what they meant. Yeah. They didn't, they, they were saying something else. And it, so it was like kind of this funny adventure of like, cause you know, when you get an email and you're just like, it's in English, like whatever, like that's how we talk all the time. Yeah. But then you're like, wait a minute, the person that wrote this, that is not their primary language. And you have to like put on a different filter. It's like the third um, or fourth language. Exactly. And then we had COVID and we have like a 10 hour time change and we have like, it was just kind of a lot, but like, it also was amazing. And they were so lovely. And the way in which, the way that they wanted me to push the boundaries of like what a bouquet can look like and what um, what notes we can pull from the bouquet and from the rose that was unconventional mm-hmm. was, spectacular um so they're like you use artichoke a lot right and I'm like yeah I do all the time they're like well you know there's like this note in the rose that is like this artichoke scent and I was like done that is interesting I didn't know that yeah yeah and it's like oh oh my god I love that because roses are so um well nuanced like the chamomile is like like this kind of tea note and the lychee is like more of a sweeter note. And so it was like really kind of distilling and um, extracting out kind of more peculiar, obscure notes that you may not be so obvious, but like when you burn them together, you get this beautiful bouquet um, and the different um, candles that we did together. And it just was, it was really magical. It was a really, really magical um, collaboration. I'm so glad. I had the privilege of being able to work with them. Yes, major. Did you have a favorite candle? I do. It's the artichoke one. Oh, okay. It's so good. Okay. I mean, they're all great, but um, the artichoke is like really clean and kind of interesting and fresh. Like it's, uh, it's so good. Working with them, did it open your eyes to how you can approach florals differently or your other work? Yes. Yes. It's like, I never, I never would have thought to dissect a rose in such a way. Mm. Um, I think that we use the rose 
uh, in really interesting ways, but the way in which they really wanted to push that um, really inspired me. And um, yeah, I, I Do you have I a favorite feel, type of rose? I would say my favorite rose currently is the combo rose. And the combo rose is particularly beautiful because A, it's gold. B, its petal count is like really like, it's not overly full, but it's like very fluffy. And it opens really flat and wide. And the petals just have like this beautiful velvet finish and have this gorgeous curve to them. And it it's so, um, it's such an unexpected color. It looks so alive, but also kind of dead. I don't know. It's just like, oh, it's such a good one. That's a great one. And does anyone ever take the risk of buying you flowers as a gift? Or would they know never to, to go there? You know what's so sad? Is like, I got into flowers because I love them. Of course, I want to receive them. But um, most people do not send me flowers. <laughs> well, now this, now's the time to remind everyone you would like to be receiving flowers. Yeah, exactly. 100%. But it's also like, I'm, I'm kind of a hard person to shop for because I just buy myself. I don't expect anybody to buy me anything or to do anything for me. So I just do it for myself. So gifts so if I want, are not your love language. <laughs> But they are. It's like I want somebody to do it. Gifts are my love language too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like nobody's necessarily buying them for me, so I'm buying my own diamond. Yeah, so self gifting is just as good. Still works in love language. Love yourself. (laughs) Do you? But what I do tell people is that, like, if you are going to get me an arrangement, get me an edible arrangement because Mm. they taste delicious. They're ugly, but I love them. (laughs) Oh yeah, good. Like a sort of tower of muffins or yeah, the chocolate dipped ones. Yeah, I ugh love so we've got valentine's day coming up would you be would you suggest roses for valentine's day or another kind of gift no um, that's a good question because it's it quite is a good question obvious the roses yeah. but at the same time that's why we love them and i don't actually well, like you... roses. anyway it's not about me okay so here's the thing i just say what i always tell people is just stay away from red roses yeah they're absurdly expensive mm-hmm. and it couldn't be more basic there are so many amazing varieties of roses that like if you just work with your local florist like and be like what should I get instead like there's the quicksand there's the combo there's the oh I've really been into Nina's bitch ass Nina is like this like is that type of flower <laughs> yeah it's a rose it's a, a variety and it's like this weird uh orangey, corally, almost red, garish color that's like perfect. And I have to do a live Google for this one. Yeah, but borderline disgusting. Um, Love that. I love uh, an amnesia or or an um, early gray. Like an early gray is is like a gray rose. It's really beautiful. So I feel like there's a way to do it if you just do something a little bit non conventional. Or if you like go straight up heirloom style and like get like the garden roses that are really, really beautiful, um, go to a farm and see if they'll let you clip a few and do it that way. Yeah. What do you, what do you want to receive for Valentine's day? Diamonds. Oh yeah. Me too. Just Let's aim put it out top. there. <laughs> Manifest that one. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, want some, like, one. I want some fine jewelry and I want, um, and I want some delicious food. You know, I'm t- actually, I want a foot rub. A Valentine's Day is a really, really, Valentine's Day is a really, really busy day for us. And so oh, I want to come home and I just want to get my feet rubbed. Oh, yeah. a feet rub. I heard flip yeah. rub. I, like, I, I said heard a is. flip rub. I thought it was some yeah, sort of Yeah, I know. Food. I was like, is this an American thing that we don't really know about? A flip rub? And <laughs> 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 we were both too polite to say anything. We were like, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Foot I want one too. rub. <laughs> Foot rub. A lot more interesting though. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, diamonds and a foot rub. Yeah, there you doesn't go. that sound good? Yeah, I think I think that's that should be the sort of what we all aim for on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's Day. like, should be pretty doable, I think. 
<laughs> put it out there in the universe I, I, yeah I'm going to give it a go so thank you so much Maurice this has been totally and utterly fascinating and we have loved talking to you today it's such a shame we can't see you but we're feeling your radiance come through the screen so um, thank you for joining us on Mecca Talks and do you want to add anything Zara? I think we can talk to you forever and I yeah. think we're getting like the sign being like you need your life back you need your Thursday afternoon back <laughs> <laughs> and It has been such a pleasure talking with the two of you oh. I've been having a, such a great time your voice is so soothing and you <laughs> both have such great mic voices that I'm just like, yeah. And we have, we have a face for sound. <laughs> no, you guys are both beautiful. Stop I feel it. like Americans have good radio voices. Like they're always so clear and articulate. Like Australians and uh, British, we kind of mumble. Janet, don't be so uh, rude. Okay, okay, I mumble, but like, you know, <laughs> Americans, like you're, you're so like, you know, crisp. Yeah, we are a little like, like they really teach you like how to give a speech in school or something yeah that's true yeah and you guys are more like um it it almost sounds more french where it's like and are you like what are they talking about and we're like ah flip rap flip rap i generally thought it was some sort of food i know i was like imagining like a weird taco and i was like i don't know americans have weird stuff yeah exactly i would have been dismissive of that one too i was like ugh who the hell wants a corn dog rack? and a flip wrap? Keep it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, thank so, you much, so much. It's so much fun. Yeah, we've loved it. And we're going to come and see you in LA and Visit come your to your cafe. Come, yeah, come to the cafe and learn how to preserve flowers and um, help you continue in your sort of um, Beyonce of floristry sort of stream. So we'll be there to back you up and be your biggest champions. Yay! I love that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. To stay up to date on what's going on in the Mechaverse, find us on Instagram at at Mechabeauty or join the conversation in our Mecca Chit Chat Facebook group. You've been listening to Mecca Talks. Thank you for joining us. And I'm on the roll.